Welcome to the Dry Fasting Club and the beautiful world of dry fasting. I'm Yannick Wolf, and I hope to be able to guide you on your dry fasting journey. The following information is not medical advice, so please treat it as strictly informational. The Dry Fasting Club was started with the goal of bringing dry fasting to everyone, bringing science and experimentation to something that has long been considered strictly spiritual. The Dry Fasting Club is a place where new and experienced fasters can get accessible information. Dry fasting is the most powerful form of fasting, but with great power comes great responsibility, and dry fasting safely should always be your number one goal. Paying for a subscription on the site helps out by giving you access to some controversial articles that are hidden from search engines and gets you a quick one-on-one -on -one chat with me to discuss all things dry fasting and maybe even more. I highly recommend joining the Dry Fasting Club Discord group, which is free, where you can meet other dry fasters from all walks of life and with different point of views. The one thing everyone can agree on, dry fasting is the best when done properly. Now let's get to today's discussion. How do you break a dry fast properly? Breaking a dry fast properly is the most important step. It is the first step of refeeding and it sets the pace of your healing journey. So if you ask August Dunning, he'll say water with baking soda. If you ask Sergei Filanov, he'll say melt water into Eastern European fruit compote. If you ask a carnivore fanatic, they'll say bone broth, and a fruitarian might say watermelon or coconut water. After trying each of these methods, logging results, and doing over 300 days of dry fasting and refeeding, I'll provide you with my views on the topic. To get updates and more information on protocols and questions, make sure you visit the dryfastingclub.com website and subscribe to get the emails. This article on how to break a dry fast properly delves into common questions about breaking a dry fast. Also, don't forget to look up the Scorch protocol to see examples of a protocol that gets updated with day zero updates. What that means is it's the main focus of my dry fasting journey, and it has the most up-to-date information that works for long COVID and autoimmune diseases. And hopefully you'll be able to find valuable information there that you can take and use for yourself. What is dry fasting? The obligatory what is dry fasting introduction. This is for those new to dry fasting that have stumbled upon this article. Dry fasting is the abstinence of both food and water. Normally, when people think of extreme fasting, they think of people drinking water only and possibly adding things like electrolytes or black coffee and tea. Removing all forms of food and water and living on air alone is something that most people consider impossible. Yet, dry fasters are alive and in most cases, thriving. In fact, most fasters who eventually try dry fasting never look back. It's just that good. Just make sure you know the ins and outs before attempting it. When you dry fast, you accelerate autophagy to unimaginable levels. You also pull toxins out of cells at an increased rate. Water fasting makes it so that your digestive system never takes a complete rest, and your cellular water never gets a deep clean. The most powerful aspect of a dry fast is the unique hormesis or bodily stress that occurs without water. This triggers a bounce-back response that increases stem cell production massively, and that's just one of the things. 
Dry fasting is powerful, and with great power comes great responsibility. Dry fasting should not be performed until you have tried water fasting first, and should only be started with short dry fasts in the beginning. Now let's get back to the main topic of how do you break a dry fast properly. What is the recommended approach to breaking a dry fast safely? When you are breaking a dry fast, it is important to keep things simple. I like to consider simplicity along with science, philosophy, and also a paleolithic comparison of how a process can relate to our ancestors and evolution. What do you think the average man broke a dry fast with a thousand years ago? In this case, my recommendation is to do the same thing, and it's to break it with only water. The water should be of high quality, and that means high quality spring water. First ones that come to mind are things like Evian, San Benedetto, I've heard of people talk about Poland Springs, or something else you may have in your area. You need to use good judgment. You want natural spring water that has been filtered by the earth, not ozonated or treated in any way. The first day of the refeed is also explained in my Scorch Protocol. So you can go to the dryfastingclub.com and check out the Scorch Protocol, Healing Long COVID and Autoimmune Diseases. It consists of breaking with water for at least six hours and drinking approximately two liters of water balanced and portioned throughout that six hour window. Some even recommend adding a pinch of natural salt or drinking coconut water to replenish electrolytes. Just like August Dunning recommends baking soda. I'll talk about this a little bit more under the electrolytes question later on. If you can handle it, then doing a full day of water fasting is very powerful to bring your body back online after a dry fast. But I am also aware that many people do not have the discipline to do a full day of water fasting after their already long dry fast. A day of water fasting is a nice way to extend your autophagy for another 24 hours. But as long as you follow the six hour window, you will be safe. A lot of people ask me what to do if I break the fast near the evening, which would affect my feeding window. In this case, I highly recommend transitioning into a water fast overnight, set an alarm to wake up to drink water once or twice in the middle of the night. When you wake up, you'll be ready to go straight into the refeed at around 9am and that makes things much easier. There are specific situations that may require slightly more precise adaptations, but this is on a case-by-case basis and usually if I am guiding the dry faster. Should you start with water or other fluids when ending a dry fast? You should always start with water first. When you end a dry fast, your body's digestive system has fully shut down. When people water fast, they actually don't fully shut down the digestive system because it is always operating at the liquid level. And let me just jump in here and mention that that's why uh, I highly recommend going into a water fast for 24 hours or a little bit after your dry fast because it's the next step of waking up the body. And Russian dry fasting doctors have been using this technique for many years. So it has to filter exogenous outside water that you keep giving it. That's the water that 
you're drinking after the dry fast. If you decide to give it distilled water, then you introduce a different form of stress that actually pulls nutrients out of your blood, which is also not recommended during fasting. Because dry fasting is the only form of fasting that puts a complete stop to digestion, it means that you have to very carefully reawaken it when you end the dry fast. That's why it is vital that you transition first to water. Water is the simplest form of fluid that your body can use to wake up. You allow your body to wake up in gradual stages, incorporating anything that takes longer to digest or that spikes your blood sugar at the same time is asking for trouble. Of course, things differ if you've done a 24-hour dry fast versus a 72-hour one or even a 120-hour one. That would be five days. The longer you dry fast, the more important it is that you break it as slowly as possible. This is also the reason why you should never gulp down large amounts of water when ending a dry fast. You should always drink it slowly. As described in the Scorch Protocol refeed, you should aim for a cup of water every 30 minutes and never down it, but drink it in controlled sips. What foods are best to reintroduce after a dry fast to avoid digestive discomfort? After you've broken with water, you slowly move on to liquids. Please stay away from using baking soda if not necessary. Liquids in this sense are super diluted juices. Notice that it's juices and not things like milk, smoothies, or soda. You want to focus on carbohydrates first. This means staying away from high fiber, protein, and fat. That's also the order that you can slowly build your digestive system back up. Natural carbohydrates are better because they have less sugar and are bound with good sources of minerals. Think diluted fruit juices and not soda. Afterward, you can slowly introduce fiber and protein, but you want to stay away from fat at all costs for at least the first few days. Since your body's digestive system has been shut down, you truly have to take it in steps. Fat digestion requires a lot of bile production. Your bile system has been shut down during the dry fast. It turns out you need much longer for that system to become fully operational. Eating fat, and specifically animal fat, which is harder to digest, requires a lot of bile and you will be causing a, a lot of discomfort if you eat it too early. Your intestines and your stomach and your whole digestive system is extremely sensitive during the first few days. Discomfort means that your body is struggling and it correlates to less powerful healing. Most of us dry fast for the healing benefits, so this is important information to keep in mind. Many times I've been helping somebody and they've gone off a little bit off the path with the refeed. Recently, it was uncooked oatmeal instead of cooked oatmeal. It's just an example. This isn't the end of the world, but you have to realize that cooked oatmeal is X times more digestible than uncooked one, and in return will provide you with less discomfort, more nutrients, and better healing. You really need to take digestibility into consideration, and when following the Scorch Protocol, you need to be aware that the food progression is the maximum that you should be reaching. If you start going for foods that are harder to digest than the recommended foods, you are actively sabotaging the protocol. When in doubt, always go for easier digestible foods, 
For example, if you have progressed to steamed vegetables, you can also keep eating anything from the previous days as a substitute, such as broth, kefir, or white rice. And don't forget that you should be chewing everything for as long as possible. Your mastication is your number one superpower when it comes to refeeding. Remember to take your time and chew. Are there any specific guidelines for the timing of meals when breaking a dry fast? This is a complicated question with a nuanced answer. It's kind of similar to when should you start a dry fast type of question. You can choose to start a dry fast in the morning after breakfast, maybe at noon, or many people choose right before going to bed to get a head start through sleeping the night. When it comes to the timing of meals when breaking a dry fast, you need to consider your schedule, appointments, symptoms, and also your mental fortitude. A lot of these come with experience, so be prepared to make some mistakes in the beginning. It's also important to remember that we are working on healing our mitochondria when dry fasting. Mitochondria are the main energy producers in our body. Some people even believe that we're actually just a machine for the mitochondria to move around the earth. It's no doubt that the better our mitochondria function, the healthier we are. Side note, think NAD plus as the main molecule for longevity and health. Long COVID and a lot of other autoimmune diseases cause mitochondrial dysfunction. One of the most important correlations to mitochondrial health is your circadian rhythm. Of course, there's a lot of other things, but we'll dial in a little bit on the circadian rhythm. It is crucial to get sunlight in the morning. And something that not a lot of people are aware of is that it is important to eat breakfast right after getting the morning sun. This is important because I myself for a very long time, and I know that this is what most people do when they intermittent fast, they love to skip breakfast and then some even skip lunch. And the reasoning behind it is because it is, because it is so easy to go to sleep and initiate your fast and then continuing, continue it in the morning when you're not as hungry. But eating in the morning is important and getting that sunlight is important as well. This builds up melanin levels in the body. Researchers discover melanin could make for great batteries. I'll link an article here. Uh, in the article, I link to that article. Knowing this, you should keep in mind that making sure you eat carbs in the morning can improve your life as long as you have the discipline to stay away from carbs at dinner and to not eat before bed. So I'm trying to guide you here with the absolute most optimal way for longevity, energy, and youthfulness. In a perfect situation, you would be breaking your fast when you wake up. That's why it's called a, break, a breakfast, break fast. The Scorch Protocol and other refeeding protocols focus on starting around 9 a.m. This allows you to tap into a normal feeding schedule and, puts you, and put in a meal about every three hours. This means you'll be eating at 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., 6 p.m., and 9 p.m. Uh, this has uh, some correlation to the migratory muscle complex, and that's discussed a lot more in an article that talks about dry fasting and SIBO, which is uh, uh, intestinal bacteria overgrowth. Um, 
or small intestine bacterial overgrowth. This is why, sorry, it's a good strategy to control yourself during these eating times because it allows your body to get through most of the digestion in between meals. However, many people cannot control themselves and will snack in between. This is why during the Scorch Protocol, I implemented possible snacking times with very light, digestible, and low-calorie snacks like cucumbers and bee pollen. If you can avoid snacking, do so. And this goes back to that idea of the migratory muscle complex and how our body works. We are actually not a snacking species. That's not the ideal way. If you start to suffer from intense detox pains, acidosis, or other symptoms, you may decide that it is in your best interest to end the fast early. This may mean that you will be breaking it in the evening instead of the morning. I want you to understand that this is acceptable, but in this case, you should do your best to transition into a water fast, meaning that you will not be taking in any calories until the next morning. This means that you can jump into one of the refeeding protocols without any problem. If you end up breaking a dry fast in the evening, you simply transition to drinking water. This should hopefully relieve a lot of cortisol buildup and lessen the ketone production, making you tired. Use this tiredness to your advantage and try to sleep through the night uh, by waking up maybe one or two times to get that water in. Technically, you should set alarms to drink some fruit compote or unsweetened coconut water every three hours, but the simplest solution is to just avoid all of it until the morning, so you'll just be water fasting. The moment you intake calories, your body will be entering the rebuilding phase, so the moment you take that first sip of that fruit compote. I talk about this phase a lot through my articles and protocols. As long as you stick to water fasting, you will still be in the deconstructing phase, so that autophagy phase. A lot of nuance goes into rebuilding and starting it, but then not providing the necessary fuel in the right timing windows is not optimal for your health and for your stem cell production. How can you prevent overeating or consuming too much too quickly after a dry fast? This is a great question, something that happens a lot. Overeating or eating too quickly after a dry fast is one of the most common and most damaging practices that new dry fasters do on a regular basis. I say new dry fasters with a caveat that this happens to a lot of even experienced dry fasters. You need to employ tricks to make sure that you don't overeat because every evolutionary signal will be screaming at you to eat and drink. Some people get lucky and don't feel the urge to eat at all after a dry fast, and they have a very easy time following the refeeding protocols. Unfortunately for most, this is not the case. If you're like me, you have a hard time sticking to the refeed. There's just some sort of itch that you need to scratch, especially if the food is all around you. Maybe a little bite of this or a bite of that, and suddenly you're overeating. Trust me when I say that overeating and eating the wrong things too early in the refeed causes negative consequences. Your immune system is growing back in the rebuilding phase. If you stress the digestive system by eating too much or eating the wrong things too quickly, you will divert what little bit of immune system you have and it'll go to your digestive system. So much can go wrong when the body doesn't have its defense system operating at full capacity. 
There are pathogens everywhere around us, both external and internal. This is probably one of the most important things to consider when it comes to eating controlled portions and the correct digestible food. In the article, I have a uh, table here that shows different digestion times for different types of food. And I talk about this in other articles. You want to remember that meat is the hardest to digest along with cheese, uh, soybeans, kidney beans, and nuts. Those are things you need to stay away from as long as possible. If you eat hard to digest foods before your body is ready for it, it may also cause complications in your digestive system that you won't recover from easily. Sometimes it will require you to redo the dry fast to undo the damages. Usually it's never so bad because you'll start by eating a very small portion and then realize you ate something you shouldn't have. If you run into this situation, one of the most important things you can do is to drink a herbal digestive tea like peppermint tea, maybe chamomile tea, and another one I really like is dandelion root tea. This allows your bile ducts to relax and speed up digestion. It works in minimizing the damage. It's often recommended to stop eating if you've committed a mistake. Basically, turn it back into a water fast for a little bit. This can be one to two days. And simply let your digestive system regain control. Let the food go through you. Filinov recommends taking a full water fast day. Uh, but I would say only do this in dire situations where you overeat. Don't try and just rush into it the moment you just feel a little bit off. You definitely want to use this as a last resort because you are using up valuable chloride minerals. Uh, that's why potassium chloride is a great supplement to take in the first days as a salt substitute. Uh, potassium chloride and other chloride-containing foods allow you to build back your stomach acid, which is another very important thing that we won't be going into too much detail today. You will need a lot of mental fortitude during the refeed. A lot of this requires you to understand the struggle that will be coming up and you need to be ready to face it. It's the naive that don't know what's coming that get hit the hardest. You can also come up with some strategies like distracting yourself. Trying to time in sleeping in between meals, especially in the early stages, is another great one. Having a snacking plan in place. Uh, maybe a meditation on speed dial or a video game ready to go. It's also very wise to meal prep in advance and separate meals, uh, separate meals using meal prep style containers and labeling them in advance. This is actually one of, uh, this is a very advanced strategy and it works really well. If you are super serious, then I highly recommend doing some sort of meal prep in advance and knowing that you cannot touch any other food, only the one that you have allocated in advance. This doesn't always work for all types of foods, but if you can, try and do so. The next question is, is it advisable to include electrolytes or supplements during the refeeding phase? And this is a hotly debated topic. Uh, the dry fasting purists will argue that you should not include electrolytes or supplements in the refeeding phase. I argue that using the correct ones is important and can help a lot. The problem with giving a blank statement or a blanket statement like yes is that a lot of people come from water fasting and are used to drinking a lot of electrolytes during the fast 
including things like sodium. They drink it during, they drink it after, they drink it before. A lot of people coming from a carnivore-style diet do the exact same thing. This is not good when it comes to dry fasting. Sodium is the main mineral you want to avoid for a few days after you break a fast. This is because your body holds on to sodium on steroids when you are dry fasting. It has to do with the hypertonic environment and lowered urinary excretion and the whole angine, tensin, renin uh, system. Your body realizes that the acidity rises rapidly and the blood thickens quickly, and this triggers powerful sodium retention mechanisms. You can see this in studies that track blood markers of dry fasters. The sodium levels initially drop, but then fully stabilize. The body, if you take in larger amounts of sodium during a refeed, your body will not let a single sodium atom go. This will cause bloating. A sodium retention bloat is very hard to get rid of and sometimes requires a secondary dry fast to help. For some reason, the salt gets stuck and you can't shed the water weight. There's a few things you can do in these situations and I'll touch on them later on. A lot of people who come to dry fasting have heard of the snake diet and snake juice. These are the people who love their sodium, magnesium, and potassium homemade electrolyte drinks. I have nothing against this. I love Cole Robinson and I've tried his protocols and I've drank snake juice before. But once again, for dry fasting, you need to stay away from sodium. This is why in my protocols I use potassium chloride and magnesium supplements early on. Potassium chloride can be bought very cheaply under different brands that call themselves salt substitutes. Mm -hmm. When you start moving on from fruit compote to things like broths and soups, you'll notice that not having salt at hand is horrible, tastes gross. This is where things like potassium chloride can save the day. It's not nearly as good as salt, but it helps a lot. And it has a bit of that salty kick uh, on the back of the tongue. It also helps you replenish potassium levels, which are important. Yes, the body holds on to potassium levels pretty well too during a dry fast, but it does lose it faster than sodium. Uh, and it doesn't retain it afterwards as much as it does sodium. Higher levels of potassium also correlate to longevity as opposed to higher levels of salt, which actually correlate to morbidity. Magnesium, in this case, is an overall magic mineral in my opinion, and most people are deficient in it anyways. If you look at any of my protocols, you'll see how important magnesium is and once you start getting into it and doing your homework, you'll realize that there are a lot of different types of magnesiums for different situations. Magnesium has a calming effect. So on top of replenishing your magnesium levels, you get to calm the nervous system, which is vitally important after a cortisol-driven, highly stressful dry fast. I won't go into the details here, but a lot of things on a dry fast and in, correlate to things in real life, such as stress, have a depleting effect on magnesium replenishing magnesium is actually really hard once you become deficient and it can take a very long time there are some ways to do it faster than others um, but magnesium is definitely something you should be looking into i am also against using baking soda to break a dry fast since we're on the topic of electrolytes and snake juice there are many reasons, including that your body creates bicarbonate naturally as a buffer against acidity. During fasting, your body is converting glutamine 
from your muscles into ammonia and bicarbonate. Ammonia is released in the urine while bicarbonate is reabsorbed and used to buffer the acidity. Let your body naturally come off the fast and restore balance. Don't shock it with alkaline baking soda unless you are in acidotic shock or severe kidney pain. Not to mention baking soda has sodium in it. Uh, it is sodium and bicarbonate put together. And, and the sodium is an element we do not want after a dry fast. There are a few other highly important electrolytes that you need to balance consciously for the biggest benefits, and they include phosphorus and calcium and a few other micronutrients. Please read my Filanov Refeed Variation article to understand the different foods and their electrolyte relevance. You can also watch that video. It's a pretty long one uh, where I talk about every aspect of refeeding, what to buy, and what each food does for you. Next question, what are the potential side effects or risks of breaking a dry fast incorrectly? There are definitely tons of risks that can occur if you break your dry fast incorrectly. Some of them include hurting the gallbladder and bile production, overloading the pancreas when you take too much sugar and carbs, bloating with water weight when you have too much salt or drink too quickly right afterwards, um, things that can make you sick. If you've gone for over a month of water fasting or over seven days of dry fasting, a bad refeed can land you in the hospital. Heavy foods right after an extended fast can be deadly. This is why following the refeed protocols is important and why understanding food digestibility levels is crucial. So one of the potential side effects or something that can happen if you break it incorrectly, one of them is overeating in the first days of fasting. If this happens after fasting and you have overfilled your stomach, you must induce vomiting and flush the stomach. This is why I said you'll waste your hydrochloric uh, acid and your chlorine atoms. After you do the vomiting and flushing the stomach, you resume the withdrawal in the usual manner. If you overeat later on, conduct a one-day fast, then continue to withdraw using proper foods. Another thing is excessive weight gain via water weight. Uh, that's when you have that salt. This is why salt in the form of sodium is not to be consumed for the first few days. And even afterwards, it is important to limit it as much as possible. The body grabs onto this salt and doesn't let go. It is very hard to fix this and why it's critical to avoid salt. We talked about this earlier and I mentioned that there will be a method that you can do. So if this happens to you, other than having to perform another dry fast in the near future, you can try to reverse it by water fasting for two days while taking hot baths and supplementing with potassium and magnesium. And this rebalances the electrolytes and forces the body to dump excesses. And while it's dumping the excess potassium and magnesium, it'll balance and pull some salt out, sodium. You can also try to perform a 30 gram Epsom salt flush that is described in the Scorch protocol or under the intestinal cleanse for a dry fast article under the dryfastingclub.com. I do like, there's a few different flushes that you can do, but the 30 gram Epsom salt flush is the best one in this situation. And you want to do that after a, at least eight hours of fasting. And that's why you reverse your refeed into a water fast for a day in this situation. Exacerbation of underlying diseases is another thing. This happens to a lot of people, especially new dry fasters and very sick ones. 
If while dry fasting your disease symptoms get worse, ideally you will continue the fast and extend it if possible. Ideally, you exit the fast when you feel well. Sometimes this requires you to push through as long as your heartbeat is not over 120 beats per minute for extended periods of time while sitting still. And granted that your urine pH is in decently normal levels. This is why it is important to keep track of your measurements and why anybody I consult, I give them specific documents to track their prep, their dry fast, and their refeed so that we can establish a baseline and see what the numbers look like. If after a week of refeeding, the symptoms persist, that's when we can start adding in medicines like ivermectin, nicotine, LDN, prednisone, etc. LDN is low-dose naltrexone. And what if you have weakness, dizziness, and fainting? This is usually due to people overdoing it with physical exercise. This can also happen if you drink water too quickly right after a long dry fast. Anyways, back to physical exercise. It can be anything from walking too much, doing too many chores, working out, etc. This usually occurs during the first five days when rest is one of the main healing tools on top of good nutrition. Unfortunately, knowing your body and your limits after a dry fast is the only way you can know how far you can push it. But if you are fairly new to dry fasting, you can always keep exercise as low as possible the first few days of a refeed. I talk about this a lot in the Fill Enough Protocol Variation article and the Can You Exercise While Dry Fasting article and video. There are levels of exercise that you can do, but most people start too soon and risk these symptoms and possibly muscle strain uh, themselves due to glycogen and hydration levels still not being where they should be. This is very, very common, and I've seen it way too much. And honestly, I've fallen victim to overdoing it after a dry fast when you feel so well and your energy levels start to come back. How does the body's digestive system respond after a period of dry fasting? If you do a medium-length dry fast and break it with something like uncooked vegetables, you can be in a lot of pain. You may get watery stool, cramping, nausea, and headaches. If you have meat or something extremely processed and fried after a really long dry fast, you can land in the hospital. Also, if you're doing a very long water fast. Usually, you feel this by pain in the stomach, lots of cramping, and possible constipation as the food gets stuck in the digestive system. So what do we do if we have constipation after breaking the dry fast? If you land in this situation, your best bet is to start drinking herbal digestive teas like peppermint, chamomile, and dandelion root, while also taking a laxative like magnesium citrate. Magnesium citrate is a great one here because it is gentle, absorbable, and nothing too drastic. You should stop eating the hard-to-digest food and transition to blended fruits and vegetables. A fast fix that is recommended by many naturopaths is an enema. I believe this is also recommended by Filinov if you are constipated after two to three days. This is recommended on the second or third day of the refeed. If you have a clinic near you, you can have professional help by booking a colonic hydrotherapy appointment. You should not be performing an enema on the first day of your refeed, 
as this is when you are mainly rehydrating the body and waking up the digestive system. Doing an enema on the first day of the refeed is too intense for your sensitive digestive system and can, uh, and can backfire. Try and remember this. Are there differences in breaking a short-term dry fast versus a longer one? Yes. As discussed above, breaking a short-term dry fast has a lot more leniency than breaking a longer-term dry fast. You can go ahead and shorten the refeed days significantly after a shorter fast. Imagine this as condensing the refeed protocol like an accordion. Some young and healthy people can even go as far as breaking it with a carnivore approach because people do do this. For example, bone broth and some butter and eggs, and then they really rush into meat, maybe on the second or third day. And these young and healthy people or people who have been carnivores for a really long time get away with it with only mild discomfort. These are the main differences though, the length and importance of the refeed. And if we kind of go off topic, uh, and I just mentioned that carnivores actually do have a very hard time going for extended dry fasts. It's a complicated topic and maybe I'll go into it in a future article. The length and importance of the refeed. Every single day that you go longer on a dry fast, the refeed's importance doubles. So remember that. And that goes to say, for example, the carnivores, since I do recommend a sort of carnivore slash zero carb approach to perfecting the preparation for a dry fast, I do realize that doing this also means that it gets harder the longer you go and why the refeed is so important. Another question, how do you ensure a smooth transition back to regular eating habits without causing digestive distress? So transitioning back to regular eating. You ensure a smooth transition from a dry fast back to regular eating by following a protocol by someone with a lot of experience dry fasting and helping others. The most common and the one with the most years behind it is Filinov's Refeed Guide, which can be found in Dry Fasting, 20 Questions and Answers. It's a great book, and everyone who is serious about dry fasting should have a copy. You'll notice that proper dry fasting refeeds all have a lot of similarities. You'll notice that even I build off of Filinov's Refeed with a lot of trial and experimentation. Bringing some science into it while trying to min-max the healing and effects. I believe I've developed a more powerful entry and refeed protocol by building on top of it. I take into consideration autoimmune diseases, specifically long COVID, something that Filinov and others are unfamiliar with. A smooth transition is always characterized by digestibility first. You can see this as carbohydrates to fiber, protein to fat. Not all macros are created equal. Protein from meat is different than protein from vegetable sources or even from fermented sources. And not all meat protein is the same. Plant proteins are shorter fibers and easier to digest. Similarly, fish meat proteins are much more easily digested than beef and pork. Similar reasoning. Nuts and hard cheeses should also be avoided as they are some of the hardest to digest foods out there. Beef and pork are last. If you are set on creating your own refeed protocol, you could get away with juicing and blending a variety of fruit with the following in mind. 
fruit juice that is diluted or low in sugar with no fiber, followed by juiced and blended fruits eventually with fiber, and then blended cooked vegetables, followed by whole fruits and vegetables. Think of it like stacking digestibility levels and taking it as slow as possible. Additional questions I get asked when breaking a dry fast. So I'll touch on some of these in the podcast episode, but I'll work on giving more detailed answers on the website. So check back soon if the answers are not there yet or if you need more information. Should I take digestive enzymes or probiotics? It's a question I get asked sometimes. Uh, Yes to probiotics, no to digestive enzymes. Our body produces digestive enzymes while probiotics must be ingested. And probiotics are heavily trimmed during a dry fast, so our microbiome gets a huge buzz cut. We don't want to introduce outside digestive enzymes because they may throw our body out of balance during the delicate refeeding process. There may be some interesting experimentation that can be done with digestive enzymes, but I would not recommend them. Similarly to why I don't recommend baking soda unless there is a drastic emergency. The enzymes I am talking about here are amylase, protease, lipase, and lactase. Probiotics are highly recommended during a refeed as seen in the Scorch protocol and other dry fasting protocols. Filanov talks about Bolotov whey, which is similar to a blend of a water kefir and kombucha, kind of, but no caffeine. He also recommends kefir, along, and that's in a lot of protocols as well. I use probiotic and prebiotic sachets mixed in water instead of Bolotov whey, and then I also recommend moving into kefir p- pretty quickly. How quickly can I return to my regular diet? Follow refeed protocols and stick to more digestible foods for as long as possible. You should be aiming to return to a regular diet in 2x, so two times the number of days that you did the dry fast. You are Remember that you are rehydrating your cells to function better. You're waking up the enzyme production of your body. You're restarting your bile and stomach acid production as well as restarting your insulin production. Uh, you're also restarting your peristalsis, which is the movement of food through your digestive system, along with the migratory muscle complex, which is the cleaning wave. Next question. Should I avoid high-fiber foods initially? The answer is yes. Very high-fiber foods are not advised on the first day or two of a refeed. Your digestive system will be overloaded after coming out of essentially hibernation. Cellulase is an enzyme for breaking down cellulose, but it's mainly gotten from fermented foods and supplements. Extended fasting can alter the gut microbiota composition, and many beneficial bacteria that help in the fermentation of fiber may reduce in numbers during fasting, making fiber digestion less efficient after the fast. As you rebuild your digestive system and slowly incorporate more foods, your microbiome will grow back as well as your intestine sensitivity will slowly go away. How will breaking the fast affect my energy levels? If you refeed with the Scorch protocol, you can expect energy levels to start returning once you get to the fruit fruit water compote stage. Energy levels will not truly return until you get to the oatmeal stage and can take longer depending on the severity of your disease and the length of your dry fast. The shorter the fast, the faster the body will come back online and the faster you can progress through the refeed. You will not have good energy until your glycogen stores are filled up 
your cells are rehydrated, and your red blood cells are back to regular numbers. Can I go back to intermittent fasting immediately? So intermittent fasting is not advised during the refeed, as the goal is to get high-quality nutrition into your body at strategic intervals so that you have a constant source of nutrients while not overloading the digestive system. Once your refeed uh, minimum days are completed, so that 2x, or I guess if you are really trying to do the minimum amount of days, then a 1x, so the same amount of days you dry fasted, you should refeed, you can start looking at intermittent fasting. This does not take into consideration fractional fasting or doing an intermediate uh, day of water fasting if you did something like overeat. Is it common to experience weight gain after reintroducing foods? The answer is yes. It is very common to see the weight go back up quickly, but this is due to water at first. Your body is also more eager to form fat right away because it has been starved of macronutrients and is in a state of survival. You must coax it back to full metabolism slowly so that you do not gain excessive weight. That is also one of the main reasons for the 2x refeed time window and a reason why the breakfast is so important and why circadian rhythm building is also very important. Can I eat protein-rich foods like eggs or meat immediately? No. However, I do advise eggs in their most digestible form pretty early. The digestible form is discussed in the Scorch Protocol. Still, the first day should not have much solid food. Eggs can be slowly introduced on day two or day three, depending on how sensitive your body is after the dry fast. Meat in general is a big no-no because of the complex and long protein chains. Animal protein is harder to digest. The first animal protein, other than eggs, should be fish, then eventually chicken without skin, then beef, then pork. Remember, the safest thing for maximum comfort and healing is to very slowly move up the digestibility chain. If someone here is a diehard carnivore and getting angry, I am not trying to tell you that the carnivore diet doesn't work for how you've been using it. I am just telling you that after the refeed, it is not optimal. Should I avoid caffeine during the refeeding period? I obviously I get asked this a lot. Yes. Caffeine, just like nicotine, is a stressor that we should avoid during the period where we need to rebuild with as little stress as possible. This is why we avoid any form of fasting, too much exercise, heat, and cold stress, and we need to sleep a lot. Not only that, but caffeine and nicotine are stem cell inhibitors, and I talk about this more in other articles. So you need to try to stay away from them as long as possible. Yes, I use both of them as slight hacks. Uh, later on in between dry fasts, especially nicotine for autoimmune and long COVID. Uh, but that is a topic for another time. Another question is, how will my body signal that I'm introducing foods too quickly? Like we said earlier, weakness, dizziness, dizziness, and possible fainting, flatulence and pain in the digestive system, pancreas pain, or elimination organs like kidneys and the liver. It's very hard to fix the situation if you eat harder to digest food too early. Overeating on digestible and well-timed food can be fixed by a one-day water fast and adding things like magnesium citrate and migratory muscle stimulating teas like peppermint and chamomile. Read about the migratory muscle complex in my article about SIBO and dry fasting.
Another question is room temperature or cold water better for initial rehydration? In an ideal situation, you will be drinking room temperature water for the initial rehydration, even though you may be tempted to drink cold water for its refreshing taste and feel. I've experimented before uh, with things like cold water. I've tried ice cubes, hot water, and room temperature water. And in general, the room temperature water always wins when it comes to feeling better as well as taste, because technically you should be drinking warm water or hot water. But if you've ever tried that before, personally, I really dislike the taste. So I'll cool it down. If the water is not from a very clean source, like a reputable spring water brand or UV disinfected well water, like we talked about earlier, then make sure that you boil the water first. This is one of the more critical steps in the first few days of a refeed as the immune system revs up. This correlates to a few other initial tips like avoiding cold water, uh, like jumping into a cold tub or going out into the cold being one of them. Should I avoid intense physical activity right after breaking my fast? Yes, even medium level physical activity should be avoided, while sleep and rest should be prioritized. Walking small distances is good, but it needs to be shortened compared to walks that were advised during the dry fast. It may be a bit counterintuitive, or you may think that, oh, I walked five kilometers every day during the dry fast, that uh, you should not be doing that during the refeed when your body is trying to rebuild. Intense physical activity will cause problems, and you will very easily overexert yourself and possibly tear or strain your muscles. There is a glycogen and hydration deficiency, and intense physical exercise will damage the glycogen balance and force nutrients away from the glucose-dependent rebuilding of things like stem cells, red blood cells, reproductive organs, kidney cells, and brain cells. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and got some good information out of it. If you know anyone that this information could benefit, please share it. If you have any questions, you can leave them as comments under the website article at dryfastingclub.com. Don't forget to join the Discord group, and if you're interested in diving a little deeper, feel free to schedule a chat with me. I have many small hacks and experiments that have not made it into the articles yet, but may be suitable for your situation on a case-by-case -case basis. Thank you for listening. Until next time, good luck on your dry fasting journey.